0: Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul.
1: And I'm Lauren.
0: And this is episode 216. It's part two of our uh, sort of Easter season religious horror special that we've been doing. Um, The last uh, episode that we did was all about uh, Prince of Darkness and Deadly Blessing. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had Glenn Benest on. It was a pretty good episode. Uh this week we decided to switch it up and um we talked about it when it when we were watching it, which was not when it came out. Yes. Um what we're doing is we decided to do a show and we're doing midnight mass. Um which takes place during the Easter season uh and so we decided it takes place during lent essentially
1: well it starts at lent and then yeah. it goes to easter like that's the time frame
0: and so um it's it's perfectly you know in time for this friday because uh it's it's going to be easter sunday this sunday and uh so we decided that we would go and do midnight mass um it's actually sort of two holidays happening, big holidays happening this weekend. Um Passover starts today when people are listening to it. Um Friday.
1: Oh, cool.
0: hmm
1: Oh. That, that this this all is, is making a lot of sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh <clears throat> so so yeah, that's that's sort of what we have in store we're We're going to go and and talk about the show um, and we're going to talk about um Catholicism and some of the some of the big themes and structures of the show and and sort of how we feel about Mike Flanagan overall. And uh I think it's gonna be a good episode overall. um I guess before we get started just out of curiosity what is your overall experience or familiarity with catholicism
1: oh um my experience with catholicism um so not a lot i grew up in a in a black baptist household so everywhere from um, old stuffy black Baptist church in the South, where the, the preacher is as old as Methuselah and, every, and so is the congregation, to um, the, the very, like, I guess, Pentecostal black Southern Baptist church, very loud people running, a lot of fun hats. Um, so Catholicism is like a foreign language for me. Uh, the only time I've ever been in the Catholic church, actually, I lied, I've been in the Catholic church twice, um, one for mass, another, we, uh, sang at a wedding. Oh, okay. One, both times were, were in high school chorus.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting.
1: Um, and then my, my, my second time was a, a trip to LA, um, with a, with a, was a a chorus trip that I took in high school. Um, we ended up going to, to mass because my chorus teacher was, is Catholic. And so we all like, we set up on the the top balcony of this very huge church. It was gigantic. And, um, I don't remember the whole thing because I definitely fell asleep. (laughs) Um, So that's pretty much like my entire experience with Catholicism. Like I, I know that they, they, they're super enthusiastic about not having any fun in church.
0: Um, okay. No, that's all, <laughs> that's all interesting. Um, so I have been to, um, Catholic services a few times. Okay. Um, I have some family members on, on both sides of the family. They're Catholic. Um, Fascinating. I have, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how my uncle became Catholic. Maybe because of my aunt.
1: I mean, marriage sounds right.
0: Um, so I think that that's how, how my uncle ended up becoming Catholic. I don't think that it's anything that was, like, sort of on either side of my family really um i think it is something that for the most part like a lot of my family like went into you know what i mean like we don't have like any like my grandparents weren't catholic on either side of the family um but i've been to a few catholic services before i've been to like a a modern I, i don't think that it was a an overly orthodox um catholic funeral service um
1: I've so, never been to a funeral that wasn't for family, so I have no idea what that's like.
0: Um, so it's it's quite the experience. Um, I've definitely done a lot of different types of churches. I once did a, a weird kind of like ultra-Baptist church that had like a laser light show and fog machines. Oh, um, that's weird. In um, Mississippi, I think it was.
1: That's the weirdest um, thing I've ever heard. That doesn't sound like any Baptist church I've ever been to, but honestly, like in a broad sense, my my understanding, I guess, of Christianity and its many many um, fascinating avenues is very limited. Like um, it's it's a constant like re- new thing of going deeper into into all of the the different doors of of Christian. No, yeah. Because they all, you know, have different rules. They all don't like each other for different reasons. They all think that they're the best version of it. But I didn't know that just being Baptist, because I feel like everybody I knew was Baptist. So I was just like, oh, this is just what Christianity is. Like, period. So,
0: um, I grew up Methodist. I went to a lot of Catholic services. They were always, it always felt like it was more, um more serious of an event. You know, there were some people at several of the Methodist churches that I went to, pretty much all of them. You know, there were definitely people who were there just to go to church, you know, but like uh the the Catholic services that I all went to were very much more of a um of an affair, I would say. Um much more ceremony in place. Um Uh, definitely one of the more orthodox sort of services that I went to, it was a considerable amount of, um, of kneeling and standing.
1: Oh Um, God.
0: So it was like, I've been to quite a few different, different types. Um, and it's, it's definitely quite the, the production. Um, but yeah, I grew up Methodist and like people took it seriously for sure. Um, at both of the like big churches that I grew up in. Um, people took it very seriously, but not to the same degree that it was being taken in, in, in the Catholic services that I went to.
1: I think that that's fair. Um, I mean, like Catholicism is apparently like the fanciest version of Christianity because they get, they're like the closest to the Pope, you know, what prestige, um, and it really, it really shows in in, in Midnight Mass.
0: <laughs> um, so here's, I guess, another question.
1: Okay.
0: Um, a little bit less loaded on a certain level. Um, yeah. that was like a broad question, and I do apologize for it. Um, what's your experience with like Catholicism in movies, shows? musicals plays you know media at large what's your what's your opinion of catholicism based on
1: okay are the catholics the ones with the nuns yeah okay well then um any musical that has nuns involved in it i'm i i bet you that is not probably the most accurate version of that but um it's what i've got so like the sound of music um I grew up watching that movie. It's my mother's favorite movie. Uh, she loves The Sound of Music. I watched that movie to death. Um, you know, we watched Nonsense.
0: Yeah, we did watch Nonsense. Um, you grew up watching Sister Act.
1: Oh, yeah, I love Sister Act. Sister Act 1 and 2, perfect, perfect pair. Um, I think at this point, if they made a third one, it would ruin it. Or if they have made a third one, I will remain ignorant. Huh. um perfect perfect movies i love Whoopi in those movies she's fantastic um i used to watch a lot of Whoopi, but that's another story for another day um uh, some religious horror movies like the exorcist and stuff like that um i don't know the I,
0: sort of mysticism of, of catholicism or yeah, so yeah you
1: side. know or uh that season of of american horror story
0: uh asylum
1: yeah i think so um that so like nothing is truly what i would consider um oh gosh what's that what's that play um doubt is that it
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that ended up becoming a movie with Amy Adams, Meryl Streep, and Philip Seymour Hoffman.
1: Yes, that. Um, so a lot of like, yeah, to your point, dramatized versions of it. Because honestly, I think that you have to bring it into it, or else you would it would it would be boring. A little bit like, I don't, I don't remember being like jazzed about going to the to the Catholic Church.
0: No, I think that that's definitely.
1: If you want a fun time, you come to a Baptist church. They're a blast. Uh,
0: I think that that is definitely fair. Um, It's, you know, in media, you definitely get, I think, a lot of swinging sides of it. Um, You know, it's, I just saw the figure of supposedly the number of, Catholics in the world, supposedly, <clears throat> supposedly there are one point three. Uh. This doesn't seem right. Billion Catholics in the world.
1: In the world, I think that that's I think that that's an accurate number because you have to think about where. Where Catholics reside on the globe. Yeah. You know it's it's not just like. Us.
0: No you make like you do make good points obviously
1: because they've had popes from all over you know pretty much Europe is just like smacked with Catholics yeah so no, I think that I think that one point three four five billion Catholics is is totally a possibility yeah,
0: South America has a lot of Catholics
1: uh, yeah, yeah exactly because um, the thing all of
0: europe has a lot of catholics because the
1: thing is at the at the base at the root of what christianity is it's a, it's a thing that needs to spread because the whole thing that they tell you all the time is to spread the gospel you yeah. are trying to get more followers no yeah and so like of course it's 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 uh one of the one of the top three when it comes to religions in the world yeah so billion catholics
0: yeah <laughs> um and so i think that it's it's definitely displayed in a lot of different ways it has been used you know i think a lot in horror you real like if you really think about a lot of of horror movies in general that include religion you know it's it's not typically like you know episcopalian
1: no it's the Mm -hmm. it's the extremes because
0: they have all of the ceremony and all of also, the history of that sort of mysticism layer, which is also something that they tap into a lot with with horror and gothic things and um, you know
1: and also like the church <laughs> was in charge for so long too that like it has such an you can you can go into any really any generation of Catholicism and find something interesting to play on, especially in horror because because of the structure of it, because of the 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 long lineage of it and because of the power that they hold
0: No yeah I mean you're absolutely right um and it it goes so far back into human history I mean you know we're going and and talking back before like you know the thousands of the establishment of of Christianity as as a dominant religion and so um I think that you also see with catholicism it as you know uh very much depicted as something that's full of a lot of of guilt i think is something that you often see associated with catholicism in media yeah. um you know as a way to sort of draw on repentance as an idea
1: yeah i was thinking about the the fact that there's a lot of um rigidity to it there's not a lot of wiggle room in what is and is not appropriate and and how you should live your life there's it's a it's a creed
0: Mm. no absolutely so i think that that's definitely sort of some of the ways that i think it gets shown in in media a lot also of course as because it's a massive bureaucratic organization it also i think oftentimes gets shown as sort of you know like a sometimes it can get used as like a black hand of the world kind of thing, you know, like mm. because it does have its own agenda. When you're something as large as the Catholic Church, you you carry, you know, some kind of agenda at some level.
1: And there's a um, lot of like secrecy as well to it, you know, because mm-hmm. of because if you're if you're not in the know, then there's there's no real way of like coming at it another way.
0: Absolutely. And so I think that it's all it's all very interesting and i think that those are definitely some of the ways that it gets highlighted the most
1: for sure but honestly yeah um i think that this i think that midnight mass has been probably my biggest jump into i guess the most accurate version of like catholicism in a sense like you know i think it starts out pretty like that's this is a catholic church in the middle of nowhere
0: yeah that's fair um
1: most grounded most realistic
0: because you know the the other thing about you know you mentioned there are a few things that i wanted to talk about with catholicism before we jumped too much into the show um so first of all like i said it's it's a shockingly huge if if you like you always hear that it's a huge organization, um, But if you really go and start looking into like just how huge the the organization that is the Catholic Church, you know, from from the Pope, good old Pope Francis, who doesn't love a good Pope Francis meme,
1: love um, Pope Francis
0: You know, from him down, it's an entirely huge. Organization. It's a it's a massive, massive thing, and it's, so
1: it's the most successful pyramid scheme.
0: <laughs> uh, we're talking about him overseeing, um, you know, all of the all of the all of the organization that has to essentially deal with Rome, and all of the organization that has to deal with uh, its interactions globally. We're talking about it having to deal with how it manages and promotes and trains new members. Um, we're talking about it overseeing very particular sets of churches uh, that are broken down into Latin churches and Eastern churches um, that answer directly, more directly to Vatican City. Uh, And then we're talking about, if you didn't know this, Vatican City is its own sort of separate little tiny government in the middle of Rome. And everything has built sort of, you know, around it to where there's a lot of Rome now, but also a little tiny bit of Rome is also sort of considered uh, Vatican territory or like the, the domain of the Pope as well.
1: It's like washington d c
0: Yeah, it's, it's
1: not a state, It's' but this it's,
0: weird little place, yeah, and and it's a bit of a gray area,
1: yeah, just like <laughs> washington d c do Do they get states' rights?
0: No, because you know it's the, the only people that really live there are are people that are affiliated with the church, so it's an entirely religious state
1: so weird so you just get like people shipped in there like there's no breeding happening there
0: no like people i think go and i think that it's almost like um if i was going to take a wild guess i think that it's probably almost like stays on a ship like you go you've got a little quarter area that you live in for you know a month or two on and then you go back and you're you know home for a month or so and then you go back I'm imagining that it's something like that. Is
1: the Pope married? No. Can the Pope be married? No. Fascinating.
0: Priests, no I, no level of the, of the priesthood can be married. Still? Yeah.
1: Okay, okay. Maybe I'm mixing that up with another part of Christianity. Delightful.
0: Um, I think it's Episcopals also kind of have like priests type figures or pastor type figures. Um, I think it's pastor and they are a little bit more, um, they're a little bit more like a priest, but not Catholic and they can get married.
1: Okay. Fascinating. No, I, 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 it's one of those things, I guess, like I could have sworn, like I, I didn't think that the Pope could get married. I was genuinely asking that, but I was like, no, but like priests, right?
0: No, no level and neither nuns.
1: I don't know why I knew nuns, but not, you know, because like the whole thing is that they're married to God, but like you know, priests aren't married to God because they keeps calling God a he the whole time, and it kind of like defeats the whole like we don't like the gays thing.
0: Um, but to your point, no, no level of them can, and I don't think that that's changing anytime in the near future. I mean, I mean, I could like, be dead wrong. But I don't keep up with Catholic
1: that's, affairs. That's a lot um, of just, like, sipping that Kool-Aid.
0: Um, but it's a massive organization. Like, it's, it's really tremendously huge. It's got tears. <clears throat> and then if you go and you look at something even as simple as, like, a parish level or sort of breakdown. Uh, and, like, a parish has, like, a single church assigned to it. Okay. Um, and so then you're looking at a pastor you're looking at an associate pastor and a parish secretary and they have an administrative assistant and then you're looking at someone to oversee uh, the school someone to be the uh, pastoral ministers and handle those affairs parish accountants uh, the pastoral <laughs> council finance committee The director of music ministry.
1: I mean, that makes sense, but I really like the the accounting one. (laughs) He's counting those stats.
0: Man, there are. Money is going in and out and around. It's an
1: organization. (laughs)
0: Yes, it is.
1: Oh my god. It's a business.
0: You need to account for every single dollar. Oh
1: gosh. Okay. um.
0: So that's a little bit on the sort of bureaucratic structure which I found really fascinating um but then I wanted to talk also briefly about mass as a concept so if you weren't in the know um I mean most of our listeners I imagine probably do know at least a little bit about like mass it's essentially just communion you know But it's but what is
1: communion for those who maybe don't
0: know? No, I know. I'm gonna get to it. Okay. Um, So mass, in and of itself, is an entire. It's supposed to be a uh, a sacrament or some sort of you know symbolic celebration um, of the of the Eucharist.
1: Uh,
0: The Eucharist is uh, communion or the Lord's Supper and mass in a Catholic sense, um, is broken down into a sort of two part system. Um, it's not just, you know, pulling out the bread, saying a quick prayer and doing it. It's it's an entire sort of procedural thing that they have to do, uh, ceremonial thing that they have to do. <laughs> and I said procedural, so I wanted to, to clarify. Um, and so it's broken down into the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the Eucharist and the liturgy of the word, uh, includes the, the rites of passage of, of mass. Um, it has a reading from the Bible, um, from the old Testament and then from the new Testament. Uh, it's then followed by uh a homily or a or a sort of sermon, and then following the sermon uh there is also a prayer from there they move on to uh the presentation of the bread and the wine at the altar, and they are consecrated um, and they're meant to become the Body of Christ and the blood of Christ through a transformation process that is referred to in theology as transubstantiation.
1: Oh, right.
0: Uh, So, this is a little interesting fun fact transubstantiation is the official change by which uh, the substance of the bread and the wine become. Christ's real presence of his body and blood uh, through the act of, of prayer at this particular altar.
1: But they're just like a dry cracker, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, And the doctrine of this whole process was actually adopted sometime between the 13th and 15th century. Um specifically at the uh and it was officially codified during the process of the Council of Trent which lasted from 1545 to 1563.
1: Wow.
0: You can find all this out on on britannica.com by the way if you're curious. Um and so that's kind of where this whole process or this particular word was sort of officially put into the doctrine. Uh Mass had to be conducted in Latin until the sixties. And then they allowed Mass to be held um in local dialects and languages. Um, and and that's kind of a an overall sort of of thing about Mass. And Mass, of course, comes from the The Last Supper of Christ. Uh, which was a Passover event, celebration, uh, where Jesus took the... Yes, uh, Seder, that's the word. And uh, Jesus went and took the bread, you know, and then said that this is his body, eat of it, and took the wine, said that this is his blood, drink of it. And so it also then ties in with Easter, which is, of course, when he was, you know, killed and then risen three days later. Uh, as the Bible says. And so...
1: Just town played crucified. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was killed. <laughs> it, was, it was no big thing.
0: And so that's kind of the the sort of s- brief summary of of Catholicism and, and mass.
1: Delightful, which is a lot of the show. Yeah. Like 100%.
0: Now, I guess we'll go ahead and jump into Midnight Mass itself. Uh, Like we said, it was created by Mike Flanagan. The plot is an an isolated island community experiences miraculous events and frightening omens after the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. And it stars Kate Siegel, Zach Guilford, Kristen Lehman, Samantha Sloyan, Uh, Igby Rigney. Uh, Raul Coley. Uh, Alex Esso. Uh, Michael Trucco, Hamish Linklater. Uh, and Henry Thomas. And, um, Mike Flanagan grew up Catholic.
1: I mean, I think that you have to in order to make something like this even remotely good.
0: And, um... He sort of apparently dug back into religion very deeply at a certain point in his life and sort of went looking for answers, I suppose, and, and came out of it more of an atheist. Um, but he decided to go and, and tap into his Catholic roots again, and he apparently calls this his most personal show that he's done.
1: Interesting.
0: So now that they've listened to me ramble... For a really long time. Uh, dear. What do you think of, of Midnight Mass?
1: Oh my gosh. I love it. It's awesome. Um, yay. We're talking about the show. Um, no. I think it's fantastic. I think that all of the characters are really unique. And interesting. But also very um, real. And multi-leveled. And. You know, these are these are people that you know. And I think that it's just a a really like cozy feeling in that, you know, I think that all the character work is phenomenal. I think that the script, as usual, Mike Flanagan is fantastic, maybe a little wordy in points, but you know, you're you so you like to chalk. Um it's i would I would equate like Mike Flanagan's writing style to like a modern day Shakespeare, like people monologue
0: <laughs> Soliloquies.
1: Oh yeah, totally, but it's it's about the words and it's a it's about the the visuals and it's about the 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 thought and the the rabbit hole that you're going down with said monologue and I always really enjoy his stuff because I always think yeah I can totally put this on stage and I think that that's such a fun exercise to go no this this would work fine as a as a stage play like I don't I don't really have any issues trans transposing this onto a different medium um and I think that I think that it, is, it. it is so interesting how many different perspectives we get in these characters as well, you know. We don't have, like, a lot of repeat thought processes, you know, in this. We've got several, you know, we've got a lot of characters that are all Catholic, that are all different in their own special ways, who have different beliefs and are still very religious and then we've got you know um Raul Coley's character the sheriff who is uh, a practicing Muslim with his son and all of the like weird animosity that like happens in the in in the in the goings of this this show that are like such a cool dynamic to like go down especially in our modern time. And I think that it is also very just like relevant to now as well it It feels older than it than it visually i guess looks, but I think that it is really like just a just a profoundly interesting narrative for what's going on right now, not only in the world in our you know in our in our home communities as well you know. Things that are happening here in the states are crazy, and I think that this, for me, really broke down a lot of different perspectives in a in a very human way, but also gave me like a good and a bad of each kind of varietal.
0: No, I see where you're at. It definitely, you know, it definitely goes into, um, what it wants to talk about, which is, is really the the dangers of of power um and you know things done in the in the name of of certain ideas that end up getting warped and skewed and and sort of twisted um that we've seen happen time and time again you know that that continues to happen and so it's it's a very timeless thing you know it's 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 something that you see repeated so so frequently that it's it's sort of an archetypal story. Mm-hmm. Um and I also think that you're right. I think that it it's a very lived-in world. Um I think that Mike Flanagan does a really really good job here, you know, with like haunting of of Hill House and Bly Manor. Um you know, the important thing are those locations. And same with like Gerald's Game and Hush. Mm-hmm. Um, the the really important thing to establish is those locations mm-hmm. because they're very singularly focused on that. And here, even though it is a single location, it's a town. Mm-hmm. And so it has to seem believable of, of how far the geography is you know what are the believable limits of how small it is
1: no yeah i mean speaking on that for a sec like people don't drive really anywhere
0: no it's like a walking community you may drive down to like the dock
1: but like we never saw like characters in a car
0: no to your point no we saw people on bikes before we saw like people on cars. So, like
1: that's how small this community is. They um they say at like one point in the show, very early on, that there's like only a hundred and twenty something people. Like that's the population of of Crockett Island. Like
0: of the crockpot. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. Uh perfect. It's 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 funny because it's only a half truth.
0: Well, and you know we we've talked we talked on um the episode with with Allison about horror does it have to be scary the show largely you know the it's that thing of the of the horror being the of the people
1: and oh, the circumstance
0: yeah. and the titrating up of tension to something that you know is going to be explosive whatever the outcome in is you know it's going to be you know, breathtaking. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's
0: really how I think that this show functions more than, than relying on like any of the sort of typical vampire stuff.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. I think that, um... sorry,
0: it's about vampires if you didn't know, but like you'll know within the first fucking episode that it's about vampires. It's, it's pretty obvious.
1: And yes, I mean,
0: and it's been out since September. So so, sorry about it. But um oops. it's about vampires.
1: It's about vampires. Um but no, um, to your point, I think that okay, well then now that we've 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 um spilled the beans on that, I guess, um, I can I can talk a little bit further about not necessarily like the monster itself, but that's what I'm just gonna refer to or um uh, the angel, I guess is what they call him. But like I'm just gonna call it the monster because like that's what it is. It's a it's a if if this is a horror thing, this is my monster. Mm-hmm. You know, my Frankenstein's monster, is is this thing. Um, I think that I think that we see it just enough for it to be like a ling- lingering force. But to your point, I think that um, it is about the people. It is about this kind of dissolving space. This these people who have who have lived here their entire lives and are watching a community die around them and only have one thing to hold on to every week and and for a good number of them it's it's going to mass and it's 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 this one thing this this speaking to God it's going to make it all better you know it's 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 comforting and i think that in that, I think that that's why we lead down the line of of the narrative itself. I think it's so good. I love it. Um, <laughs> oh God, I could I could talk about this show all day. Um,
0: no, to your point, um, everyone on the everyone in the main cast. Pretty much has some sort of relationship to religion um, Riley is has searched far and wide and come up with the fact that he has um nothing you know that that he doesn't believe in in any religious practice mm mm-hmm. Um Aaron truly believes in like a very just sort of earnest way she i think doesn't necessarily care as much about the ceremony she just honestly believes yes um and then you know his his dad goes because his mother goes
1: yeah and it's proper it's the thing that you do and
0: yeah. the mother goes because she's just she's just a nice old catholic mom
1: yeah she's and that's just a good what person. you do, and
0: she likes going and she likes hearing the the homily and she likes hearing the songs and
1: yeah it's a it's a good time and it
0: brings her joy, you know it's like probably one of the happier points of her week, I would imagine
1: oh yeah, i'm sure
0: <laughs> and it's, so you know
1: bring bring you hope and like she she takes it with like a spoonful of sugar like she's mm-hmm. she's just so nice
0: and then you have um you know Joe. Who doesn't practice at all, um, and just doesn't care in any direction. He's just sort of living his life.
1: Oh my god! And then you have have Bev, who is, who is one hundred and fifty percent believes that she is the best thing, and that God's gonna come down and literally ask her to marry him.
0: No, she's one of those people who has has grown up reading it, you know, cover to cover. You know, she can she can quote scripture at you all day long.
1: Evil Hermione Granger for the Bible.
0: Yeah, that's apt. Um, and so and she's she's very she's very openly passive aggressive as well.
1: Yeah, but she's one of those people that plays it off like a but I said something nice. It doesn't matter what my tone sounds like. You know?
0: And so she's she's a very interesting person um you know, because she kind of that level of, of rigidity is also precisely why she was so able to be unwound. It was also her blind spot.
1: Well, that's also, you know, why I, going back to earlier talking about um, horror, taking taking the, the Catholic, the Christianity, but most specifically Catholicism, because of that rigidity, you know, you talking about her being unwound by, you know, this... This power, this chaos, you know. Of course, it snapped her. She was, she was trying so hard to be to be perfect, um, her own version of perfect that the that the Bible crafted for her, the that Catholicism, you know, crafted for her, and she's a she's a, she is the this archetype that is a real beating heart of of our nation, and that is that is an issue because they're so they're so blind she's so blinded by what she deems is right that she's not willing to to look at anybody else like you know it's it's oh gosh in the in the in the box thing oh it's uh she's chaotic evil
0: oh i i think that she almost falls in like the lawful evil category
1: oh okay okay she's evil
0: yeah. <laughs> um and then you have um Father Paul who is very very uh Hamish Linklater the actor is very good at delivering sermons. Um Oh yeah. And he does a great job at playing this kind of conflicted believer character who is also sort of, you know, bought into, without realizing it, you know, ultimate temptation in a way. Yeah. Um, and I think that he he does a really tremendous job in the show. Everyone does. I don't think that there's um, a weak player in the group for me. Um,
1: no, because every... Everybody gets a moment to to really shine, and like as characters really get to like have their you're gonna shut up and listen to me moment, basically you know everybody gets a monologue it's it's not like a oh, those are the leads, and everybody else just gets a few lines here and there like no i think that I think that they they find a really great balance um in in the spotlight
0: um it's a real ensemble
1: piece it
0: is um a few thoughts um first i think that you can read the show also beyond you know looking at the the catholicism sort of level of it i think you can also go and look at it um as a show largely about recovery uh and i think that uh part of the reason that it's a personal journey for uh Mike Flanagan is, is he's multiple years sober now, uh openly. Well
1: honestly I, sorry, continue.
0: And I think that like with Riley being a recovering alcoholic, uh Aaron being this woman who's trying to like get her life back together, um the sheriff being this man who who hasn't gotten over the death of his wife. Um, you know, I think that you see a lot of different modes of, of recovery and addiction as well. You know, Joe is actively an addict. Um, Father Paul is sort of addicted to God in a certain way and also sort of his own idea of what he's looking for in life with this second chance. Um, Keen is, Bev is addicted to power ultimately, at the end of the day, any level of it that she can express over anyone yeah. is something that she grabs onto. And so I think that you can also look at it as something about addiction and recovery as well.
1: No, for sure. Um, and I, I think that... I think that I, I really enjoy this also for the, the, the true these-are-people um, aspect of it. You know, everybody has, has a good moment, everybody has a crappy moment, you know, in this, nobody, nobody gets to just walk away scot-free and innocent bystander, you know, everybody has their, their good qualities and their bad qualities, which, um, it's, it's really nice to see, it's nice, it's nice and balanced, they all feel real instead of, like, them feeling like caricatures, and, like, again, it is, it is, um, very very talk heavy it's a very monologue show and then but i think that it all works in context with the 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 whole thing cuz it's i think it's it's a it's a it's a journey for recovery but it's also like talking about things that people don't talk about mhm you know what i mean always the the hush hush thoughts like it's it's really like putting a stage for for a lot of different ideas to float them all in the same space with equal importance. And, you know, that's, that, that doesn't happen too often.
0: No. Um, I think the other thing that's worth talking about um, is that this is definitely very heavily inspired by um, Stephen King. Yes. I think. Um, I think that he, as a, as a writer overall and a creator overall, is very heavily inspired by King. Um, but this, in particular, has a lot of that DNA of, um, Salem's Lot, of desperation. Um, you know, you've got, like, the teen sort of, like, you know, kids with too much time on their hands kind of, of stuff that, that King does and things like Stand By Me and, and It, where they're going to the uppers for, for necking and smoking reefer and, uh, <laughs> you know I think that you get um, I think that you get a lot of those like Stephen King tones and textures and I think that that also works with the fact that the other two Netflix shows that he's done um, Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor are sort of collective works of two different writers and I think that that sort of is a similar thing here with King with it being very heavily influenced by like a lot of of king isms
1: no i think that that's totally fair and i think that that's also why it works um you know is as cliche i guess as it's it may sound like king has made a very successful career out of doing this like his books sell because it's because they're good it's because they're interesting you know not everyone is a gym but they're all like a crazy world and a and a crazy ride to go down and you know nobody writes them like king so like watching this yes it, it definitely oozes with Salem's Lot um and for sure with the with the stand by me aesthetic of the of the necking it's great um that's you know that's what they're that's what they're doing they're sneaking away at night you know to, to go and hang out and just be teens um
0: <laughs> no that's
1: right um it's but I think that that's also why it feels, like, so comfortable, so lived in as well. Because, like, King also can can create a fantastic uh, world. Um,
0: uh, and, you know, also, um, he's done a lot of things that touch on religious tones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Bev King, I think, is right up there with sort of, like, the,
1: okay, the Carrie's, Carrie's mom. mom. Yes, um, yes
0: or um uh oh i'm blanking on uh misery
1: oh that's what i was thinking but
0: Mm -hmm. kathy bates's character in misery
1: is that character religious
0: no but she's psychotic
1: well yeah that's fair
0: uh annie wilkes there we go i can't believe i forgot that um, no, she reminded me a lot of Annie Wilkes as well.
1: No, I think that that's totally fair. Um, this, this
0: very prim and proper, put-together...
1: But obsessed. Mm-hmm. You know, um... That's that's, that's really interesting. Um, I, I do want to talk about our monster. I do want to talk about our, our literal vampire for a second. Um, I think he looks great. I think that there are moments where he looks better than others, but I think that like the the aesthetic is really like really creepy for for the most part and like even when you do there's like that one scene in the church where he's like just standing there with his wings open where I'm like, "Yeah, you've lost it officially." But um other than that, I think that I think that they they use him just enough to like remind me that he's there, you know, always in the shadows kind of thing.
0: So there are a few moments where you see him a little bit before you see see him and the first one is where he meets one character and i think you see too much of him the first it's the first time and Mm -hmm. i think you see too much of him the first time
1: you you want it to be kind of like a like kong where you, you only get to see a foot
0: yeah or you know we only we only really saw for a little while there like the eyes and and a little bit of the face, but not really too much. Yeah,
1: very shadowed.
0: And I think that then they start to show, you know, too much of him very quickly.
1: No, I think that that's fair.
0: Um, the next big time that we see him with another character, um, I think that he's really used effectively. He's out of focus. He's... You know, very cloaked, and he's moving very strangely. You know, in sort of the background, and I think that he works great, sort of in those places. No, but I think But I do that think they show him a little bit too much up front, to where then I have too good of an idea of how he looks. So then, when I see him at the end, I'm like, no, yeah. I I
1: think that my biggest, um, just like my nitpick of the night for for the show is going to be the the monsignor character okay not like the whole thing just um i don't think that we get to see enough of him for him to really be a character does that make sense Mm -hmm. um i think that the i think that the actor who's playing him is doing a great job i just do not think that that's the part that that is where that you know he he thrives you know what i mean because like the the monsignor goes on a pilgrimage to the holy land and he has dementia and so everybody is like i don't know if senior is gonna make it back like that's the whole like opening <laughs> the whole no, joke of the first episode i don't i don't
0: think that we get enough to your point of without getting too far into spoilers or a, a little bit of a spoiler warning going forward. Do we want to give it a quick rating before we...
1: I mean, finish your thought, please. Okay.
0: Um, I think that they don't give me a. I I was having this thought. I was like, I wonder what the Monsignor preached like. You know, before we meet him in the show and see him give a sermon, I was like, I wonder what he preached like.
1: Well, yeah, I, so, I think that you're having a hard time with without giving anything away at mm-hmm. this moment with your thought. No, I think that I think that Monsignor Pruitt is 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 not a character. Yeah, and I think that if if the people in the on Crockett Island didn't sell it, none of those like f- flashes to Monsignor that we actually get from, like, these memory perspectives would, like, ever actually work on their own because I just don't think, you know, it it looks like a dude in a really crappy old man suit. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just does. <laughs> like, there's just no getting around that for me. But no, that's, like, that's my, fair. That's my nitpick.
0: Um, no, and I definitely, I, I, it was something that had crossed my mind as well for sure. Um what was that presence you know it, it doesn't make any sense
1: no yeah well that, i mean honestly it explained why like when father paul got there there was like five people in church yeah because like i don't i don't want to be preached at by by old man monsignor with his dementia old man smithers like oh my gosh no he we would be there all day
0: no that's really fair
1: and i don't i don't want to sit in a in an uncomfortable pew all day
0: no, those things did look uncomfortable. Ugh.
1: Not, not good. Not good for, not good for for church naps. Uh,
0: so, if you had to to rate Midnight Mass out of, uh, and this was our second watch of it. Um, I did mention that before, but this was our second watch. Did your opinion of it change at all?
1: Oh no, I think that the show. Um, I think that honestly, actually, I think that the show was tighter the second time through. Because I kind of knew where we were going a little bit more, and you
0: see so many clues along the way in the second pass,
1: No, yeah, and I didn't feel like I felt like there was like just enough um mood and and atmosphere with with everything that we get that it's just like a really smooth ride that is like really emotionally satisfying and and just 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 full. You know, I I just I really enjoy it. And like, I can't recommend it enough. If you if you literally can't watch anything scary or you'll pee yourself, this isn't this isn't it for you. I'm so sorry. I would love for you to watch it. But if if the slightest bit of scare scare doesn't doesn't push you away, definitely watch this show. I think it's phenomenal. I'm going to give this show a five.
0: No, I think that that's really fair i'm gonna go i'm gonna go just a little bit four and a half
1: just a little bit four and a half
0: <laughs> just a little bit
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's the that's the that's the sneakiest way to just put a four and a half down that i've ever just a little bit four and a half
0: <laughs> and um no i i think that this is absolutely tremendous um I think he does a really, really great job with it. I think that because the narrative does have to stay tight. You know, this is something that you could have bloated into three seasons. If you oh god,
1: to. for sure, this could have been like oh, what, what was that show with the fairy tale people? Um, that was like Lost.
0: I'm blanking on it completely, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It
1: could have been that. It could have been it could have been um Once Upon a Time. There we go. It could have been literally that show Once Upon a Time, or once you hit the third season you were like, this thing is never going to end and I think I have to I have to jump off. And and that's what you did. You know, it could have it could have really been just terrible.
0: <laughs> and so I think that there are certain elements that I could have and plot points and characters that I could have seen worked with more. Um, but beyond that, um, no, I think it's absolutely tremendous because it does really focus in and it could have been so bloated of a, of a story. And I think he tells one that's impactful, that's human, um, that, that stands by, you know, exactly what it is, um to the end. And I think it also does a good job of, of using Catholicism to its, its fullest potential as, as something that is, um, valuable to some people, but, but dangerous, you know, in it's in its own regard, you know, it, it shows it like anything else. It's how you use it kind of a thing. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, and it and it, you know they use Catholicism to stand in the place of of power and authority, really, um and so I think it's really tremendous, so just a little four and a half uh
1: just a little four and a half, just a sprinkle of four and a half um, no, and you had made a point earlier that I wanted to to talk on, and I completely completely forgot, but it came back to me, so um you had said that Mike Flanagan was very um into well he was he was very religious growing up yeah he was raised catholic and very into um (laughs) very into catholicism um and then he had his 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 issues with with the with drugs and alcohol or alcohol i don't know alcohol and and is now sober and so i was like the the riley character is one hundred and fifty thousand percent and became an atheist. One hundred and fifty thousand percent.
0: Yeah, he he pulled a Stephen King and he he's just, put,
1: just he just Mike Flanagan is right there. I don't know what Mike Flanagan looks like, but now he looks like Riley in my brain because that's him.
0: No, he pulled a he pulled a hard Stephen King, um, you know, because Stephen King put bookish writers.
1: Oh, yeah, and everything because that's exactly the English, English teachers teacher. ah, uh, yes, um, no, for sure, and I, I, I really enjoyed the fact that like everybody kind of got their their moment to shine, like I've never seen somebody like spit out like the the Bible like it was the the hottest lyrics. On your favorite rap album, like they were, they were, they were saying those lines like they they were in a a goddamn Shakespeare play, and I was like, wow, this is the only way to to read the Bible. <laughs> I think that if the Bible was a legit stage play with these people playing it and Mike Flanagan directing it, I think I would actually like sit down and be like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> learn about the Bible today.
0: Well, if you think about it. Especially, I think, some of the Old Testament stuff. Old Testament um,
1: is bananas.
0: It's kind of like the first horror imagery, you know, of storytelling for a lot of people.
1: Well, people yeah. People being it's, turned
0: it's, into salt, monsters,
1: It's It's giants. A... It's to keep people in line, so it's to tell you all of the bad things that happen to people who step out and all the good things that happen to people who stay in the in the way and that's how you get to live a good and happy, boring, uh, safe life.
0: And so it's 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 also a pretty you know, I was thinking about it and, you know, looking at the numbers of people, it's also such a foundational text that when you're looking at the Bible and storytelling Whether it's just, you know, non-horror storytelling, you've got so many archetypes that are baked into storytelling that come from the Bible. Oh, it's a David and Goliath story, Mm. you know, um, and so you've got so many of these foundational fundamental concepts and archetypes of storytelling that great stories have been told with that are based on formulas that, you know, go all the way back to the Bible of storytelling. Um, and then with horror, so many of, you know, the transgressions and the the things that are repressed and the things that return are, are things that transgress largely the societal laws and norms that have been set up by a culture, you know, fundamentally influenced by the Bible
1: and no, the dominant culture. I mean, honestly, you're right, because like, I mean, like I said earlier, this the at the at the core of, of Christianity is to, to spread, to get more of of itself. It's um unlike other religions that are either like a family based thing that spreads that way through traditions and through children. Um or and then there's like, you know, the other option of just it being a religion that people go to to find something for them for of themselves but like no christianity like of course it it is in our foundational stories and we have these just terms that we use and people understand what that means because of the fact that it is it is polluted every part of 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 western culture honestly you know even, even to the point where now we, we celebrate, you know, Christmas with the, with the birth of Jesus and Santa Claus in the, in, in equal amounts of, like, enthusiasm.
0: No, yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, most of our bank holidays are, are based around Christian, you know, things, so I, I think that, you know, of course, it, it makes total sense, but like and then you would go somewhere else in in the in the world that Christianity isn't the dominant religion in that area, and I'm sure that these things would you know be be completely new to them, or like something that like maybe somebody talked about down the road kind of like how uh, no, I'm not gonna disc- not gonna compare it to any way that we describe other other religions because well, you know
0: going to um Mother India so much of that story was based on like um Hindu narratives and Hindu yes, stories. Yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. It was it was it was a that was an epic in itself too.
0: Um but no, so that's I I think that religious horror is a very fascinating concept um because again so much of it is so fundamental to to the dominant sort of mainstream heteronormative you know culture of of the west um and um you know it's 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 something that has and and you see it across the whole spectrum great beauty and and possibility you know for people and you see that in storytelling uh but then you also go and and it absolutely is the perfect sort of playground for creating not just monsters that sort of break the the norms of, of Catholicism and Christianity, but also um, uh, end up becoming sort of foundational narrative storytelling elements. You know? I
1: loved how much they wove the Bible and, and made it literal and made it a part of the plot and made it like, just uh it was it was it was so tight it was so good they would you know i i loved how much they were like this is eat of my flesh was not just like a a figurative thing anymore it was a it was a literal concept that these people were like yes i will drink of your blood like let's make this a normal thing that's there was, there was no, like, there were no red flags going up in, like, any of these people's minds. Not a lot of them, honestly. Everybody was like, yeah, no, this is, this is right. This guy is onto something over here, you know? And then there were just, like, a few people who, who were just like, no, this is, this is wrong. This is weird. Why are, what are we talking about?
0: Well, and it goes back to also how the show regularly subverts certain imagery from the Bible. Um, i I
1: love it i love it i could talk about it all all day literally um it's got layers um as donkey said it's like an onion it's got layers
0: um moving on from midnight mass and and religious horror um there were a few things that i thought that we could could touch on as just sort of some some final notes um First of all, relating to Mike Flanagan, um, Frank Langella was cast in his new "The Fall of the House of Usher" show, which is a culmination of Edgar Allan Poe works into one series. Um, Wait,
1: why is it called "The Fall of Usher"?
0: That's a that's a Poe story.
1: Oh, okay. Y- you know where my brain went? Hmm. Right to the singer. Oh no. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like like an oj thing but about usher
0: no (laughs) close but no cigar
1: oh gosh and you said edgar Allan poe and i was like wait wait
0: um and it's got a whole bunch of of um classic flanagan players uh like raul coley Um, uh
1: raul coley i'm so happy for your career
0: but then it also has uh mark hamill Oh. And it it had Frank Langella. Um but he
1: so real quick. Who is Frank Langella?
0: The idiot um asshole judge from um Trial of the Chicago 7.
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I I needed a face. I really did. I didn't know that man's name.
0: Uh he has left the show after an investigation for misconduct. Oh. And they're apparently pretty far into production, so they're going to have to recast the role and I imagine do some reshoots. Um but I mean if if you know Suicide Squad could do it with um with one of its principal characters, then I'm sure that that Mike Flanagan can manage
1: which or story? not suicide
0: squad um
1: Army peacemaker of... wait,
0: the peacemaker show they did reshoots with um with one of the principal characters
1: oh yes, 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 mm-hmm. the um vigilante yes, thank you, oh my gosh, I was like, what on earth are you talking about? I was too busy thinking about um, um Army of darkness.
0: But no, yeah, um, Frank Langella was going to be in it, but they had to recast, or they're going to have to recast. Um, you know, I'm glad that there were appropriate actions taken after there was, you know, a complaint filed and that appropriate action, you know, led to the to the right consequences of behavior.
1: Um, yeah, no, that was really quick. They were like, no, we're not going to wait until we're going to pretend like they're not in this... At all in all of our marketing, cough 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 the, the the murder on the Nile or whatever the hell that movie's name is. Oh, Death on the Nile. Yeah, where it's like it definitely doesn't have army, army hammer. hammer in it.
0: Don't you fret? He's nowhere near here. Who?
1: She's the bride, but to no one.
0: Um, no, and you know Frank Langella um is a is a great actor um you know who who has has done a lot of of really wonderful things um i did not enjoy him in trial of the chicago seven i thought he was a little one note
1: i uh, don't and, remember a lot of that movie.
0: but uh you know it is good that he faced the the correct consequences for his actions uh, it's a it's a shame that that happened
1: yeah, well, um, you know, sometimes when you act like an asshole, you gotta get the the right
0: no, uh, I, I punishment yeah.
1: or else you'll continue to act like that, and then you won't be able to become the beautiful, amazing person that you're supposed to be.
0: No, that's 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 fair. Um, but no, it's um, I'm not sure who they're going to recast with. They haven't said anything. I'm not sure who I can think of off the top of my head that I consider like. The a same. Frank Langella type. And I no, don't know also fair. what the character is, so it's also kind of hard to just sort of guess which of the Frank Langella types you needed.
1: No, that's fair. My Does... brain is oh, just saying, constantly screaming, not Chevy. Uh,
0: <laughs> I was thinking, you know, it depends. I think that you could potentially go with, um, with maybe like a Dustin Hoffman.
1: Oh, Dustin Hoffman is good. Um, I was... I had somebody, but I don't know his name, and so I've been trying to desperately think of something that I can name that he's been in, which has been a rabbit hole for me.
0: Um, I think I've got another suggestion for an actor who is considerably, I believe, older. No, he's around the same age as Langella. Um, They could go with Michael Gambon.
1: The Bambino. Um,
0: The the second Dumbledore. Oh. He's a Frank Langella type.
1: No, oh, yeah. I was just thinking about him running down those stairs and screaming at Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> did you put your name in that goblet?
0: <laughs> um, beyond that, um, we watched the Stranger Things 4 trailer uh, this week. Uh, what did you think of it, dear?
1: Um, I'm I'm excited about it. I am. I, I really enjoy the franchise. And i i I know that I'm going to like it right now the the commercial the trailer trailer thank you gosh, I don't know why my brain just is like shut down um I thought that the trailer was fine i mean i I think that that's probably where I live with the trailer itself it's like it's it's very safe it's like Look, here's all of your favorite characters doing things again. I
0: wish they didn't show the monster at the end. Um, I that would have been a nice reveal.
1: I I, I that's how I felt about them showing David Harbor.
0: Mm. That's fair.
1: I was like, "You could have let me linger a little bit more about this. Like, I think that I would have been a little bit more excited when he showed up if I didn't know that he was literally going to be there considering like he maybe died in the last season but now now we know (laughs) i that's that's it i don't even need to watch the show now
0: no i i get where you're coming from with that Uh, Um, i think that this is going to be the last season which i think is probably for the best
1: no i think that that's fair um i it, it feels like a last season the 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 plot from what we got gathered from the trailer feels very much like a we're we're wrapping this thing right on up. Um we're going to have one more final bang with with our favorite players doing our favorite things, monsters in another dimension. And we're going to we're going to put a bow on this and call it a day.
0: Um I'll be curious to see what they're kind of pulling on reference wise for this one. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they always pick particular films and filmmakers to use as influence for each season. So I'll be curious to see. I enjoy the show still. Season one is still the best one. Mm -hmm. Uh, I prefer season three to season two, but like nothing has really touched that first season. Um, The last thing that I wanted to talk about was they announced the Cannes Film uh, uh, list, the lineup.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: The Cannes Film Festival is, of course, a French film festival. I'm not going to read the whole list.
1: So are you saying can is in like a can of beans? Or are you saying cam is in a camera? Uh,
0: it's, it's C-A-N-N-E-S. It's the, it's where it is. It's the location.
1: Oh. Well, that was definitely not on my radar. I don't speak French.
0: Um, so I won't, like I said, I won't read you the whole list. They have a few things that are there in varying contexts um one is a new film three thousand years of longing from george miller who directed mad max fury road mm. um they're also going to be showing there the elvis film by baz lerman
1: is that really how you spell baz fascinating mm-hmm.
0: uh and then the big one uh oh they've got a jerry lee lewis documentary coming from ethan cohen
1: oh okay
0: uh, but the, the big one that everyone is talking about right now, of course, is, or at least on, on Twitter they are, uh, if you follow that sort of thing, is Crimes of the Future, the new David Cronenberg, uh, movie with Leah Seydoux, Kristen Stewart, and Vigo Mortensen, uh, which we just watched a trailer for, and, um, it's, it's David Cronenberg who did The Fly, um and crash not the not the one that you're thinking of a different one and (laughs) um eastern promises and a history of violence um and so we just watched the trailer for it dear what did you think of the trailer for the crimes of the future
1: um, currently, I have no idea what this movie is about, um, other than the fact that it is maybe about some crime, but mostly about future stuff, because I, you, you know, you can see some future tech things from a mile away, you know, whatever, some person was like, this is what the future looks like, you know, some very Tron legacy, kind of, some, it's a, what, a, oh gosh, what is that, that movie that we've got the the script for in the other room, um, Ex machina, you know, like it's the future. Um, Blade Runner
0: twenty forty nine.
1: Exactly, exactly. We we're like, ooh, so smooth, so fancy. Things fly now. Um. So I, I was like, <laughs> I was so distracted by all of the like interesting ways that they were like positioning people in the in the trailer and all of the like future things that they were doing and stuff. But I have, no, I have no idea. <laughs> what this movie is about, and honestly, other than the the shock of the the face sewn shut there there was really like nothing really to grab onto. you know what i mean like it was it was just kind of like a visual thrill ride.
0: No, I think that that's fair. It is going to be a a body horror film
1: oh it's okay. the first
0: body horror film that he has done in at least a decade or more.
1: Well, then that explains the, the face sewn shut.
0: No, absolutely. Um, and the weird sort of, like, surgery sequence that you see as well.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Well, um, so far, the the best body horror movie that I've seen is, is to ten. Um,
0: yeah.
1: That movie is... Whew! It's rough Great in movie. some spots. Makes you uncomfortable.
0: Um... But that's pretty much all that I had wanted to talk about. Um, I don't think that we've watched anything since... No, we haven't. Since we did the Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, uh, buds, being buds and Buds, an Ambulance, which we still need to add.
1: Oh, yeah, we didn't add those to the list. Oh, yeah, because this is literally says Prince of Darkness is the last movie we watched. Yeah, so... No, we need to add those to the the list. But we, other than that, we, we haven't... Slacked.
0: Yeah, other than that, we haven't watched anything. Um, so that's pretty much all that we have for you all. Um... Go and listen to that episode of Buds Being Buds.
1: Yeah, it's about us doing something new. I mean, like, newer than this. And I think that this is pretty new for us, honestly.
0: Um, And then we also have a a written review that you can go and check out. Um, Next week we are doing, we're getting out of religious horror, but we are still going with another April holiday. We're celebrating Earth Day. Yes. And to celebrate Earth Day, we decided to go with, uh two versions of sort of nuclear disaster we're going with the original 1954 godzilla and uh the movie the china syndrome from the 70s um with jane fonda and michael douglas
1: yeah so that should be fun
0: yeah i've seen it before but like a long time ago
1: i haven't seen I well, I think I've seen the 1950s Godzilla, but that's been a while and I've never seen the China Syndrome. Uh
0: but yeah, so we've got that coming up, uh and then the week after that we'll be doing Arbor Day and that's going to be a two guest show. I'm not going to reveal who they are yet, but definitely uh get ready for that. We're having two previous friends of the show on. Um and and we'll be celebrating Arbor Day and I'll let you try and figure out what movies we're watching for Arbor Day.
1: Ooh. Um, if you I'll have give an- you a hint they're about trees
0: um, so that's kind of all that we have going on right now uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter on Instagram um, tell people about us um, we've got all of our important links down below um, send us questions yeah uh, we
1: haven't had a listener question in, in eons
0: yeah Uh, and also go and give us a review. Um, that's about all that I have. Dear, do you have anything you want to say to the, to the listeners?
1: No, I mean, um, what are you guys watching?
0: Yeah, you can also let us know. Um, the, the last thing I'll, I'll say is, uh, you know, sorry if anyone got offended by any of, uh, our takes on on religion uh religion is a personal choice and and certainly you're free to to do however you feel. It's just not necessarily i guess something that um we have any particularly strong attachment toward
1: no no it's it's more of a thing to to study from like an outside perspective you know for me
0: so but you know if we did bother anyone
1: we apologize, apologize.
0: um so you know it it certainly is never intended in any kind of of ill will um because again you know everyone is is free to do however they would like to yeah so
1: but religious or not i think you should watch midnight mass
0: that's right and listen to this episode
1: yeah i mean if they've gotten this far they already have
0: yeah we'll listen to the to the previous one rather um But thanks, you guys, for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.